You know, last week we talked about Jesus getting baptized. And, you know, once again, he got baptized so that we could live out our identity as his children, filled with the Holy Spirit, covered by his righteousness, and saturated by his love. And that's a great identity. That's a wonderful identity. Who here decided to wake up every single morning this past week and declare that over yourself? Raise your hand proudly. Yes. What a great encouragement to be. You know, that's, anyway, do it. It makes a huge difference, just like I talked about last week, okay? Today we're going to learn, uh, we're going to continue to learn exactly who we are in light of what Christ has done once again. Only two verses, but just like last week, if we were to, you can have a whole year's worth of sermons in these two verses, believe it or not. And we're going to do that through the topic of temptation, okay? Um, you know, whenever you guys, whenever we use the word temptation, is it a positive thing or is it a negative thing? Yes, it's usually negative, isn't it? It's a temporary pleasure that we already know will ruin what we truly want within our lives. Am I not right? Right? That's what temptations are. Right? When you're on a diet, you know, and you know you shouldn't have that piece of cake and you're tempted by that cake, it's something that's going to ruin what you really want, which is to lose weight or whatever it might be, right? There's so many applications. That's why you know, like when you watch TV shows and you're, you're flipping through the channels and there's an advertisement for a TV show called Temptation Island or something like that, you know it's not going to be good, right? right? Stuff like that. You just know it's not good. Giving into temptation is dangerous and it is destructive because it leads us to sin. And sin has the power to destroy the things that we highly value, don't we? Right? It has the power to destroy your relationship with God. It has the power to destroy your family, your marriage. It has the power to destroy your career, maybe even some of your friendships, right, and our families. But more practically, if we do not learn how to overcome temptations within our lives, we'll never realize and live out that destiny that God has prepared for us, saved us for. And because you can't overcome them, you're going to continue to live in this defeated manner for the rest of your life, instead of the victory that Christ accomplished for you upon the cross and to live out the identity that we talked about last week. And the reason why that happens so often is threefold. And this is something we don't realize about sin. But sin will always take you further than you want to go. Am I not right? Right. Once you start, and then you're like, whoa, how did I end up here? Right. Sin will always keep you longer than you want to stay. And sin will impact you deeper than you ever imagined. And the thing is, you know, we know those things. Even if we don't know those things, you know, we've seen, we've been tempted, we've been tempted, we're getting tempted these days by the same things that we've seen older brothers and sisters get tempted by and fall. And even though we've seen them get tempted and fall, yet no matter how, you know, terrible the consequence was for their lives, when we get tempted by the exact same thing, we still can't stop ourselves sometimes from giving in to temptation and going down the same path. What a, and so I say all that because all of us, need help. All of us are sinners, right? There is no sinner that's better than another, right? You're not a better sinner than the other guy. You're not a worse sinner than the other guy. All of us are sinners. All of us get tempted. There is always something within our lives, and there's something within everyone's life that when it encounters us, it beckons us. Do you know what I'm talking about? This temptation, it makes your knees weak. It either gets you really excited or really scared, and you can't think straight when you get tempted by these things. 
Everybody has blind spots. Everybody has vulnerable areas that can be attacked. And so all of us as Christians, we all need to learn how to overcome because God wants us to live out and fulfill our destinies in Jesus Christ. All of us, just like Jesus, have an eternal purpose that God wants us to fill and so fulfill. And so just like Jesus, we must learn how to overcome temptations that seek to derail us from all that God has for us. So in our passage today, Jesus did so by implementing three pieces of knowledge that we also have access to as well, right? He knew his purpose, he knew his enemy, and he knew his Bible. And if we equip ourselves with these three things, I think we're going to give ourselves a fighting chance to overcome temptation in our lives as well. So we're going to cover those three things today. So the first thing is this, in order to overcome temptation in your life, you need to know your purpose. When we look at verse 12, it says that the Holy Spirit immediately drove Jesus into the wilderness. Isn't it really interesting? In the previous passage, he just got baptized, right? He just heard, he got baptized by the Holy Spirit. He just heard God told him how beloved he really is. So the question then is, why would the Holy Spirit immediately send Jesus out into the wilderness for 40 days to get to fast and to get tempted? That was the purpose. Why would the Holy Spirit do that? And the answer is found in verse 13. And you tell me, where the answer exactly is. Let's read that again. Verse 13 says, And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. Can you guess what's the answer? Which phrase holds the answer to why the Holy Spirit sent him out there? Believe it or not, it's the phrase, wild animals. Right? Isn't that crazy? But it's true. Uh, So the question, why would Mark uh, write that Jesus was with wild animals in the wilderness. And the reason why is because Jesus, or Mark wanted to contrast Jesus' experience in the desert with Adam's experience in the garden. Okay, the Adam, Adam and Eve, that Adam. Okay, you know, there are a few things that Jesus and Adam have in common, but the whole point of this is to highlight the differences. Okay, and here are the differences. What was different between Adam and, and Jesus is this: Adam was in a plush garden filled with plants. Jesus was in the desert. Adam was allowed to eat everything in the garden and to enjoy all things in the garden. Jesus had to fast; couldn't eat at all. Right? Uh, Adam had dominion over all the animals. He's the boss. Here, all the animals were wild. Okay? Uh, Now, why would Mark want to contrast these two scenes? And the answer is found in 1 Corinthians 15, 22. Paul says in this verse, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And so what does this verse mean? Well, what Mark wanted to do by by showing us this, basically is what he's saying. He's saying... Adam brought the curse of sin upon all mankind. Why? Because he fell into temptation. But Jesus Christ, if he was going to come to eradicate sin once and for all and rescue us from our sin, he's going to do so by, wow, not giving into temptation. And that's simply it. Adam brought the curse of sin upon us by giving into temptation. Jesus Christ, the new Adam, will now eradicate sin once and for all by not giving into temptation. And if Jesus came to reverse what Adam had done, he had to enter into this world not as Adam found it, 
But as Adam left it, a desert, fasting, wild animals. You guys, you guys understand that? Okay, cool. That's actually the real reason. That's the, the theological, real driving point of these two verses, just in case you want to know. Anyway, now the first reason why uh, Jesus could resist the devil and not give in to temptation is because he knew his purpose. And we talked about his purpose last week. He wanted to become our righteousness, right? He wanted to uh, live a sinless life so that when he died upon the cross, he could replace our sinfulness with his perfect obedience. That's what he wanted to do. He knew that was his purpose. And my guess is that when Jesus got tempted, he knew exactly who he was living for, right? That was his purpose. If I can say it a different way, maybe we were his purpose. And so the devil comes along and he tempts him with maybe something that he really desired. But I believe that what Jesus had in mind that helped him overcome temptation was not only did he think about the Father's pleasure over him, being beloved, not only did he think about that, but he probably thought about all of us and how all of us could get saved if he simply remained faithful. And so knowing his purpose gave him strength to counter those temptations and to choose holiness over his own desires. You know, when you get tempted to sin, the first thing that you need to remind yourself is your purpose. Like, who here knows their purpose? Like, like all, maybe some of you can articulate why God created you, why God saved you, why you're here on earth. And that's great. If you can, that's awesome. But I bet there's a lot of us that can't articulate exactly what our purpose really is. But that's okay, right? Because even if you don't know, I bet you know who's at stake in your life if you choose to give in to temptation, right? If you choose to give in to temptation and destroy your life, I'm sure there's, there's going to be a lot of collateral damage. You know Who's at stake if you decide to give in to temptation, right? Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's the people here at church, the people that God has called you. These are the people that God has called you to impact for his glory. Like when I get tempted, the first thing I think about is my family, and the second thing I think about is my church. I'm like, oh, man, if I give in to, give in to temptation, I just destroy everything, you know? There's so much at stake. It's very, like, weighty. Anyway, um, that's something you have to believe. These are the people that God has called you to impact for his glory. And the thing is, they're not going to be impacted by your gifts or by your talents like, like we think that they're going to be. But the way they get closer to Jesus is through your holiness, through the battle scars that you have as you battle your personal sins, your submission to Scripture each and every single day, even if you don't want to, your crucified prayer life, these are the things that are going to change somebody's life. And that's why God's called you to them, right? These are the things that will produce God's supernatural provision over you and protection for you. And they will not only impact your people, but just like Christ in your life, they, they become these daily reminders that our lives weren't saved simply for our pleasure or satisfaction, but our lives were saved so that we could fulfill his purposes and his glory within us, right? You know, I heard of somebody when he was tempted to sin, like he would literally shout out the names of the people at stake whenever he wanted to give in to temptation. Do you ever think about that? That's pretty awkward, isn't it? You know, but like, it's very powerful. I tried that this week 
And it's very powerful, right? You know, in the midst of temptation, you should, I shout out my, like, my wife's name. I'll shout out like some of your names and stuff like that. And people around me are like, what the? But the thing is, when you realize that and you yell out those things, it changes a lot, right? It gives you power to move in a different direction. And it's wonderful, you know? Try that. Um, because those are the people that God has called you to. They are your purpose. So who are the names in your life? Who is your purpose? And when you get tempted, why don't you say those names out loud? They may help you overcome. Know your purpose. Number two, know your enemy. Verse 13 says that Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. You know, there's not really much written in these verses about the temptations themselves. But the book of Matthew actually gives us a lot more details about those intera- about this interaction between Jesus and Satan. And so we're going to go into that a little bit in Matthew 4. And we're going to cover those three temptations. And we're going to show you how Jesus overcame those temptations because he knew the schemes of Satan. Uh, the first temptation, there's three temptations. The first temptation is written in Matthew 4.3. It says, Satan says that, Satan basically said that, hey, if you're really the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And so the question is, well, how is that a temptation? That doesn't sound very tempting. And the, the reason why it was a temptation is very, very simple. Jesus was fasting. Jesus was hungry, right? After, I don't know, have you, have you guys ever fasted? After like a few hours of fasting, celery tastes amazing, okay? So you're hungry. Uh, but the temptation really wasn't just physical. It was actually spiritual. You know, Jesus was just baptized. God declared Jesus as his beloved one. And then all of a sudden, Satan comes along and says, I don't think you're that beloved. Man, if you are really that beloved, do you think a God who loves you that much would make you starve and suffer? right, in the desert. What's all this ridiculousness about not eating? I mean, what does that really do? I mean, I understand you're out here for some really important spiritual reason, but come on, man. Is not eating all that important? That's that, right? Makes sense. You know, just eat some bread, man. That's all it takes. But what Satan was doing was he was tempting Jesus to turn away from God's methods, He was tempting Jesus to turn away from God's goodness in the midst of suffering and challenges, which I have to believe Jesus was going through. It's not easy to be stuck in a desert. It's not easy to fast 40 days. And it's not easy defending yourself all from wild animals. It's not easy. I'm sure there was a lot of challenges. There was a lot of suffering. Have you guys ever been in that situation? You know, just like Jesus, you're trying to live for God and you're doing everything right. You're following God's ways and you know it, but it hurts. Not only does it hurt, but nothing seems to be going right. You know, nothing seems to be going well, but you know you're doing everything right. And during tough, during times like that, it's tough to say the course. You don't see fruit. You don't see blessings. All you see is more difficulties, more challenges. And the thing is, we want immediate gratification. We want immediate results. We want to see fruit. We want to see reward. So what happens? We get tempted to take a shortcut. We get tempted to cheat. You know, we get tempted. Look, I did, I did God's thing for like a few hours. I did God's things for a few days. It's okay if I, you know, compromise here and there. I'll get back to it. You know, we get tempted just to do that. I can't tell you how many times I've experienced that as a Christian, as a pastor, you know, in so many ways. I get it. But how does Jesus respond here? He says, man does not live on bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. So what was Jesus saying when he said that? And this is what he's saying in a nutshell. He was saying, look, I get it. You want me to eat bread because I'm hungry. Get it. But the thing is this. 
I trust God no matter what my life experience may be right now. I trust in who God says I am, even though I might be totally confused as to who I might be today. I trust in who God declares me to be, in what God has for me, even though I don't see it today. Your bread is just bread. But the thing is, and there's nothing wrong with eating bread, but I'm on a fast. And though I'm really hungry, I know I'm a part of something really eternal here. God's got something greater for me than just bread. And I'm not going to compromise God's destiny for me. Just for some damper. Just for some immediate gratification. You guys get that? We need to learn how to think like that. The second temptation, in the second one, Jesus takes Je- oh, Satan takes Jesus to the highest part of the temple, and he says, if you're really the son of God, throw yourself off, and let's see if he saves you. <laughs> right? That's it. Um, and here, Satan is basically tempting Jesus to question whether God can be trusted. If God really loved you, and if you really are the cherished son of God, why is he letting you suffer here for days upon end? Why is he starving you? Why is he continually bringing more hardship upon your life? And why is he bringing all this danger intentionally upon you? That is not what a loving father would do. He doesn't really care about you, Jesus. But if you really think he does, throw yourself off in the sea. Prove it. That's it, right? And that situation, even though we might not be exactly the same, it sounds really familiar, doesn't it? How many times have you questioned whether you really could trust God in your life, you know? Whether you really could trust God in that particular situation. We always do that. We always question God. We always question whether we can trust God or not, especially when we encounter life situations in our, you know, that are really difficult, right? Uh, the demands upon our lives, maybe they're outweighing our capacity to handle them. Maybe you're trying to be faithful, but all you get in your life are complaints. All you get are accusations against you, right? Or maybe an event happens or a series of events happen in your life that are so traumatic and you just can't even see the goodness of God in your life. And you don't feel God helping you. You don't feel God coming to your rescue. And maybe some of you really felt like that during the pandemic as well. It's tempting during those times to doubt God's goodness, to doubt his grace within our lives. Jesus responds by saying, you will not put the Lord your God to the test. And by that, he was basically declaring that God is good and that God is active within our lives. To me, this is what he's kind of saying. He was saying, you know, as a matter of fact, I know that God is good and God is so good and God is still active within my life so much and I'm convinced of that so much that I refuse to test him. And that's how we need to be as well. Did you ever realize that testing God is not an exercise in faith, but it's an exercise in doubt? You guys know that? You know, testing God. Um, Tests exist. Why do tests exist? Do tests exist I would never give a test if I was a teacher to students if I was absolutely convinced they knew the material. But we give tests to people when we know that they may not know. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, tests are always given when you're in doubt, not when you have confidence. That's a test, right? And so, you know, 
And, you know, I've heard so many, I've heard preachers encouraging people to test God. You know, you know that story of Gideon laying out the fleece before God? You know, there's stories like that. And, you know, if you don't know that story, Gideon heard the call of God to do something. He was like, did I hear right, God? And he's like, you know what I'm going to do just to test you? I'm going to put out like a fleece in the nighttime. And God, can you make that all wet but make all the grass dry? And he did. And then he still doubted. So the next day he's like, oh, God, can you make everything else wet but this thing dry? And God did. You know, he tested God. Um, but what you have to realize is testing God is absolutely it might be the stupidest thing you could ever do spiritually in your life. Okay? Right? I've heard preacher preaches. It's the most horrific thing. And the reason why is because it's not teaching you to trust in God. It's actually training you to doubt him. You know, when Gideon heard, he should have just obeyed. But it's like, but he didn't want to. He didn't want to do that. So he exercised doubt by laying out fleeces. Don't ever do stuff like that to God. Right? It's actually sin. There's commands that you should never test God, right? But it's not, inher- it's not sinful because it's inherently evil. But God says it's sinful because he doesn't want you to practice doubt in your life when you should be practicing faith, exercising faith within your life, you know? And that's why Jesus says in this passage, I'm not going to put God to the test. I'd rather suffer and die trusting in him rather than any other false alternative, because I know that God is always good. I know that he is actively good with and working within my life, and I know who he's declared me to be. In the last temptation, Satan takes Jesus to the highest mountain, and as he's showing Jesus all the kingdoms of the world, he says, Jesus, I can give you all these kingdoms if you simply worship me. Satan is tempting Jesus' ambition. He's, t- he's tempting Jesus' perspective. And Satan is basically saying this, and this is really huge. This is what Satan's saying. He's saying, Jesus, I can give you all that you're here for, but you don't have to suffer for it. You don't have to do God's pathway to get all that. Look at your talents, man. Look at all your gifting. It's being wasted using it on these menial people, right? You don't need to be a part of that. You weren't meant for this kind of earthly existence, Jesus. You deserve better. You deserve better the world, right? Look at you. Why suffer and die on a cross when you can have it all right now? Partner with me and we can do some powerful things together. I'll make you the greatest without the suffering. What do you say? That's what Jesus, that's what Satan was saying to Jesus, right? And we've all heard that and we've all felt that within our lives. You know, I've heard it tons of times. Why are you wasting your life and talent? You know, serving God to people who may not care. You know, don't you realize you're not getting what you truly deserve in this life? Surely there are more pleasurable journeys than to suffer like this and to pay this kind of cost in order to follow after God. So give up God's way. Give up your calling in Christ. Step out of that whole way of the cross thing and enjoy the life you know you deserve. Live according to what you've been entitled to. Live according to what someone of your ability and status deserves. Have you ever felt that way? Those are the words of the world, aren't they? Jesus responds by saying, God commands us to worship him alone. And to serve only him. What's he saying? He's saying this. He's saying there's only one God in this world. 
And everybody, one day, will bow and worship him. I'm going to choose to do that starting right now. Right? I don't care what things you throw my way. I don't care what, tem- I don't care what you say. There's only one God, and he deserves all my worship. And I'm going to use everything within my life. I don't care if it's fair. I don't care if it hurts me. I don't care what the cost is. He deserves everything because he loves me. And he saved me. So I'm going to live for him. I'm going to make him great. And that's all I care about. And I'm going to start right now. That's what Jesus says. Right? I was made to worship him alone. What do all these three temptations have in common? Satan questioned the goodness of God, didn't he? Right? He takes God's words and he twists them so that he causes us to question God's goodness within our lives. Right? He makes us look at ourselves and he elevates our deepest desires above God, just like he did for Jesus. But Christ knew Satan's schemes. He knew that that's exactly how Satan works. And therefore, and since he knew how Satan was going to attack, he had a defense. We need that as well. The evil one will always make you question the goodness of God within your life. He will make you look at the things within your life. Maybe it's your career, your successes, your failures, your fears, you know, your desires. And he's going to manipulate them in such a way that exaggerates your sense of entitlement, right? As if we always deserve better. He makes you believe that your life as it is right now is not enough, that you are not enough, and that your life doesn't measure up. He makes you question the desert that you might find yourself in, whether it's in your career, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your faith, you know? He maybe. And he makes you question all the hurt that you're experiencing. He makes you question all the challenges that you seem to face right, in life to the point where you question and even doubt if God is actively working within your life, if he's actually good and that he's working within your life. That is the strategy of the evil one. Do you guys understand that? You have to know this. So what's the telltale sign that I seem to be giving in to those temptations within my life? Here's the biggest one, complaining. (laughs) If you ever find yourself complaining about your life, that's a telltale sign that you're giving the evil one a foothold, right? If you find yourself extremely dissatisfied with where you are right now in your life, that's a telltale sign that you're just opening up your heart for the evil ones to take footholds in there. You know what I'm saying? Handles. That's what you're doing. Because what you're really doing is you're not just giving Satan handles, but you are actively denying the grace of God that is working within your life. You're actively denying the goodness of God that is within your life. You're actively almost like shielding away the love that God wants to pour upon you that maybe you have to go through these difficulties in order to truly achieve, to bless another person, to change someone else's life, to achieve his eternal glory. Don't be that guy. That's my application. Don't be that guy. You know? Because that's exactly what Satan wants you to become. Jesus knew that about Satan, so he was ready. He didn't allow Satan to even grab a foothold. He didn't even entertain temptation for one second because he knew they were all lies. Satan is the father of lies. 
And when you know that this is the character of the evil one that is trying to tempt you, then it gives you all the power to reject him immediately. And I hope that's what happens, right? So how did Jesus counter Satan? By declaring God's goodness and faithfulness in his life right now. So the next time you face temptation, ask yourself, what are these lies that Satan is trying to tell me? You know, in what ways can I declare God's goodness? But, you know, let's be honest, too. When temptations are really difficult, you don't have time to stop and ask questions. Right? You're just tempted. So what can you do? Exercise Thanksgiving. Right? If you don't know what to do, exercise Thanksgiving. The first thing I always do when I encounter temptation is I thank God for life itself. And I think about one of my best friends who died when I was 23. And all I say is, he's dead. I'm alive. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm alive. And then I start to thank God for the blessings within my life now, right? I actually thank God for the difficulties. I thank God for everything because they're all proof of his active love and goodness within my life. You start to list those things that you're thankful for, and then you add to that list all the people who are at stake. That's a pretty powerful list that you're going to have, right? And the reason why those are powerful deterrents to temptation is because they actually, this list de- actually actively declares, or, or it declares God's active goodness and grace within your life right now. And thanksgiving reminds us that God's grace is alive in us. Okay? Lastly, know your Bible. Every time Jesus was confronted with temptation, do you guys know that he always encountered it with a, with a verse from Deuteronomy? He literally quotes Deuteronomy every single time. Jesus knew scripture. As a matter of fact, the only time that Jesus didn't say anything in the whole interaction was in one verse where he just says, Satan, be gone. Right? Try that next time you're tempted. Just yell, Satan, be gone. Um, you know, the only thing that counters lies is truth. Spiritual attacks must be countered with spiritual weapons, and there's no more powerful weapon in this world than the word of God. We need to be equipped with truth. Therefore, we won't give in to our desires. Um, and so, you know, truthfully, the way you counter temptation is there's, you need to start memorizing verses. Right? If you've never done that, start memorizing verses. There's so, if you guys want a list, I, email me. I'll, I'll email you a list. But your CG, your CG leaders might have a list. But the reality is there's so many apps that you can just download for free. You know, new verse every day, whatever it is. And just memorize those verses. Memorize these truths. Memorize these promises that God gives us so that we can counter the lies that we're going to encounter every single day. Let's equip ourselves with Scripture. Jesus was victorious because he knew those three things. He knew his purpose, he knew his enemy, and he knew his Bible. And the thing that I want you to realize once again as I close is that Jesus, when he was tempted in the desert, was tempted as a human being. But he accessed these three things And by doing so, overcame temptation, which means that we can as well. We can be victorious as well. Many Christians never seem to achieve the destiny God has for them because they just can't get over the hump. They can't overcome temptations within their lives. But because Jesus overcame them by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can as well. Let's fight and let's win together. Let's pray. I know I threw a lot of stuff at you. And I don't know how a message like this makes you feel. 
Maybe some of you just feel guilty because you grew up as an Asian and that's how you're supposed to feel when you talk about sin or temptation or things like that. But all I can say is if that guilt leads you to God and through two verses like this, like there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you claim his forgiveness, you claim your sonship, then it's good. And if it causes you to turn your heart to trust in Christ and what he accomplished for you on the cross 2,000 years ago, and to be reminded that you're no longer in sinfulness, but you're clothed with his righteousness, empowered by the Holy Spirit to live for him, then that's good. I'd love for you to go there. You're forgiven. But you're also empowered. Empowered to overcome. You were not meant to be a slave to temptation. To be enslaved by sin. Christ destroyed that when he died upon the cross. And he gave you the Holy Spirit so that you could overcome each and every single day. But just like Paul says, man, you need to fight for that. Because Satan's going to keep on fighting to get you. You need to fight to make sure that you stay alive in Christ. So that you can continue to be victorious every single day with his help. So that you can live each day as his child. So can I just invite you to talk to God honestly today? Come and just surrender your sins to him. Ask him for help to overcome. And ask him to help you truly live your life for his glory and honor. Let's pray. thing and that's this I think you know especially if you've been churched for a long time you know you you always get told to repent of your sins and all this stuff and we just go into the same type of prayer mode that we're always in but can I just invite you and it's just like Kevin asked us to do earlier today you know looking at yourself and your sins and then telling God all those sins that's great but it'll never get you over the hump because your focus is upon yourself your focus is upon your failures. The only way that gets you over 
is when you have your focus solely upon Christ, who he is, how much he loves you, what he accomplished for you, you know? So can I invite you just to spend the next minute or two looking at him and asking God to help you see him? That's it. Because it's only a clearer picture of Christ. Only a clearer picture of Christ will motivate you, inspire you, empower you to truly overcome. So let's continually ask God for that. Let's just look at Jesus. Let's pray. prayer point my guess is that if you've been to church long enough you probably know someone who fell away from Christ maybe because of sin maybe because they gave into temptation and then now they're just in a cloud of darkness let's pray for people let's pray for specific people that we know that may have fell away and let's really pray that God will once again recapture their hearts so they may be reawakened to Christ and reawaken to their eternal purpose in this life. Let's really ask God to bring them back. Not, not just to church, but especially to Christ alone. Let's pray. so much for your love for us that never changes even when we sin your love doesn't change when we fail your love never changes even when we don't believe in ourselves God your love never changes we thank you God that regardless of what our past looks like regardless of what our performance might be that we're clothed with Christ's righteousness so God help us to operate our lives in faith looking to you trusting in you 
and trusting in what Christ accomplished for us rather than the, our own performance, even our own spiritual performance. And Father, if we can look in the past in that way and know that your blood covers us of our past, then Lord, allow us to allow that blood to cover our future so that we no longer live in condemnation. But God, we live in the freedom that was accomplished for us in Jesus Christ. And Father, we live in the confidence of your love. And Father, we live looking at you, looking at all that Christ accomplished for us so that we can be inspired, empowered to live holy for your pleasure. God, we need a lot of help. So help us. And Father, we know that there's a lot of brothers and sisters out there who truly knew you at one time, but because of one reason or another are not here today, are not even hanging out with you. So God, we pray for them. And we pray, God, that you would just reawaken them to how amazing you are. Bring them back to you, God. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.